0: Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. Combining questions, trivia, and games, every episode we're challenged to watch a piece of film history to decide whether it deserves to be remembered for all time in our movie vault. With every film chosen in our previous episode, it's the perfect way to watch and discuss along at home. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a snippet of what to expect in today's episode. But today we're just going to have a fun one, uh, which is going to be me versus Craig, which is always entertaining. And for anyone who's keeping track at home, I've never won against Craig.
1: So <laughs> it's all on, all on today. But, uh, not all on today. You make it sound like, you make it sound like you win this and all other competitions we've done a null and void. <laughs> we end the podcast if I don't win. <laughs> no.
2: Right, right, Mr. Demille, I'm ready for my close up. Are you not entertained? Oh. Oh hi Mark well good movies
0: Hello and welcome to Well Good movies the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching even if there are some duds along the way. I'm your host David Oscar and I'm joined by my co-host who is undeniably back from travelling the multiverse on a murderous rampage, Craig McDonald? <laughs> hello, Craig. Which multiverse version are you? <laughs> hello?
1: Sorry, I uh, phased out there for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, hello, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, what were you after then? Wanda was after her kids... You i don't know what you're talking about um <laughs> i mean i don't get me wrong it felt like i disappeared for a little bit but then nothing's been going on <laughs> okay it just seems like
0: something craig would have done so many multiverse films out there at the moment i'm sure sure we've seen like a version of craig out there i somewhere. feel
1: like this is the multiverse where i probably tolerate you the most to be honest <laughs>
0: that's what i was thinking are you looking for a multiverse in which i don't exist <laughs> So, uh, as we alluded to there, Craig, we talk about movies well worth watching, despite duds along the way. So, as today is our update episode, today I want to know what films have you seen recently that might be duds or well worth watching?
1: So, I mean, you've already alluded to the fact that we've watched uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, which I think is safe to say that we both thoroughly enjoyed. It was actually quite nice to have something from from Marvel which wasn't trying to go for a lot of the sort of you know, cheesy, campy laughs in the ways a lot of them do, but just actually embrace um, a lot of the sort of horror-esque elements that were teased to us. And even though apparently it could have been more, I'm actually quite satisfied with what we got. I wasn't one of those stupid people who went into the film thinking, oh, they're going to give us 50 million different things from all these other places. So what they actually gave us, I was quite happy with. Yeah, that one is definitely for me kind of I came out of it
0: like that was more the madness rather than the multiverse aspect. I think it was it was mad, (laughs) but it wasn't the multiverse film that people wanted. But I'm more on the side of like, if you're going to give me cameos, I'm more on the side of breaking their necks and blowing their heads up (laughs) (laughs) rather than like, you know, them playing some sort of cheesy role in it. So I quite enjoyed it. You know, not a perfect Marvel film, but, you know, has its problems, but definitely was a fun, fun time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, any, well, any duds or have you mainly enjoyed yourself at the cinema recently?
1: I think it's been fine. I mean, I probably would have spoken about the main duds on a, on a previous episode. One film that I did watch that I do need to sort of call attention to is The uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent uh, featuring Nick Cage as Nick Cage. Um, it, this is a hard film to describe. All I will say is you need to go, you need to go into this film with the exact right mindset insofar as you're going to watch a parody of Nick Cage insofar as how he himself views his career. So long as you go in with that mindset and understand that you are obviously going in realistically as some form of Nick Cage fan, you are obviously going to enjoy yourself. If you don't like Nick Cage, you're obviously not going to like this film because this film basically does metaphorically suck up to him in a massive, massive way. Um, as a Nick Cage fan I loved it I thought it was a I thought it was a great film um some definitely odd choices um there's basically a sense of he has like um a, a sort of devil over over shoulder which is one of his previous film roles and it's him awkwardly awkwardly either in makeup or in um or de-aged digitally but yeah i just i thought it was I thought it was humorous. I quite enjoyed it. And they put him through a number of different weird scenarios. The film genre seems to flip quite a lot in this film. Yeah, I recommend it if you're a Nick Cage fan. If you're not, don't talk to me. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot of
0: uh, crazy, kooky films out there like that at the moment. Um, Not had a chance to watch everything everywhere all at once yet. But, you know, that's another one in which it just seems to be like, yeah, why not? Just do all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, I think one of the scenes I did see from that film was the one with... Uh, him and pedro pascal watching paddington 2
1: yeah that is a that is a thing that happens they talk about what their favorite films of all time is um and pedro pascal's character is uh says that his favorite film of all time is paddington 2
0: so yeah <laughs> understandable again an, another one which is a big favorite of
1: of people's where people are like don't diss that film and stuff like that so it was uh, either number one or number three i can't wait i can't remember which way around he said and then either his third or his first favorite film was Face Off. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, more of the the Nick Cage love then. Uh, yeah, for me, I think obviously, yeah, Multiverse of Madness was like quite a big one before it came out in terms of like having like Wanda and you know Doctor Strange two characters I quite enjoy. So that one, I you know, I did have fun with. I would like to see it again before it goes to Disney Plus. The one which I was also not really bothered about before it came out, but um, I checked out only last night then, just because uh, so many people talking about it on Twitter, et cetera, was uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Oh, God, that. <laughs> but I th- I think you haven't seen it, have you? No, I've not seen it. I, I think you quite enjoy it because... Um, really? Yeah, it definitely overcomes a lot of the... Definitely overcomes the issues, which I think Paul agrees uh, with uh, me in terms of... Space Jam 2, uh, you know, in terms of what we hated about that film, this film does well. And just some of the jokes and references they throw in there. I'm like, how is that in this film? How did that make that in here? I don't know if you've seen about a certain ugly character. No. Okay. Stay off the internet. Go watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers in the next two days. Okay.
1: Where can I see it? Disney Plus. It's oh, like, right. it's like a premier film on there. Oh, so it's, it's gone
0: straight to the service. And i love this joke this character who turns up in here because i was one who was quite like when people were like yeah you know like we don't like this we won etc not saying i was in favor of that version of the character but i was just like oh i'm not sure what this says about you know demanding things from creators etc uh so but if the outcome of that was to have this joke i'm like okay i am perfectly happy with this now apart from the fact that you know there's a lot better version of that character out there apart from that like i said i think that it's a very fun film um it's very like roger rabbit-esque in that it's quite a modern version of it there's the mystery element there's the whole you know animated characters in the live action world i think that they do that quite well in you know the sense of like live action and just how they approach like weird trends in animation etc like you would have Possibly seen in the trailer, that they're, they're like, "Oh, where are we? Where, like downtown, where all the weird reject CGI characters go?" And they're kind of throwing reference to like Beowulf and cats and stuff like that with these weird, uh, uncanny valley esque human characters, <laughs> one played by Seth Rogen. <laughs> as for this episode uh, today, uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is kind of like an update episode. Uh, so we're going through a Movie Vault update as we're getting to sort of the, almost the halfway point of the year. We're going to be recapping our usual task of deciding where the films go into the Movie Vault, our vault of movies that celebrates chosen films for all time. Uh, so as we're coming up to that period in the year... Uh, we thought we'd give everyone an update on the films. Uh, we previously had, like, our Movie Vault update uh, at the start of the new year, which sort of updated people about everything in the Movie Vault. So we thought we would just go through this run of films that we've done for the sort of, like, last five, six months um, and see how the list overall is looking. Uh, So that means looking all the way back to something like The Room in January and then, you know, forward to quite recently where we talked about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde just two weeks ago. Uh, But we're not alone in uh, updating you and uh, recapping those films. Uh, Don't worry, it's not just me and Craig sort of recapping our thoughts on those. We are joined by our previous guest, writer and editor, Paul Klein. Hello, Paul. Hello, thank you for having me back. Thank you so much. Uh no problem. Yeah, we had to get you back. It was a fun time talking about snatch last time. Craig.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't mention the euphemism. <laughs>
0: yeah that, that was a fun one obviously an episode as well which uh you went with craig's choice as well of italian jobs so that led us down a fun route where we got to talk about that film and uh, thank you for being the only guest
1: who has chosen one of our films for this entire run
0: but we're not we're not showing favoritism that's not why we're, you're on today paul uh, you're obviously we know <laughs> not it's, it's 100% why i'm on <laughs> no. I'm a, I'm a- i know how to play host i know how to get good it no uh we know you're you're definitely one of those who are like a great movie buff so it's probably a lot of the things we've watched over the last few weeks i'm like well paul's probably seen this before but if you've been watching along with us as well i'm i'm sure you've had just as fun a time uh but we talked there about you know what we've recently been watching in terms of duds and movies well worth watching so paul what what are some of the stuff you've enjoyed recently
2: or not uh, well, in, or not enjoyed equally. All, all the stuff you've mentioned, uh, obviously Doctor Strange, which I I think is top tier Marvel. Um, it's got it's got Sam Raimi's personality in it. You know, everyone. No fight scene ends without someone smashing their head against something. It it was just full of his sort of whimsy, which I enjoyed, and I enjoyed the cameos. I th- I felt Spider Man Far From Home had maybe one too many, and they you know, it felt a bit like sandman's not got much to do here and nor does lizard and so it felt like maybe maybe three villains was the limit that you could have done and this one i thought the cameos were done quite well um yeah unbearable way i thought was brilliant rescue rangers i really love i think a lot of people are saying it's like roger rabbit i think it's more like you know the 2011 muppets with Amy Adams and Jason Segel. It's like that meets 21 Jump Street, I think, for sort of rebooting a franchise and sort of poking fun at reboots in general, I thought it was really clever. And um, That's a great comparison,
0: actually. Yeah, I definitely. I got a Muppets vibe from it. But yeah, 21 Jump Street, another good shout.
2: Everything Everywhere All at Once, I think, is one of the films of the year, if not the film of the year. So I've been quite lucky. I did see Firestarter. I saw the remake of Firestarter, and that, that, that was dreadful. And everyone said it was dreadful. And I was like, I'm a guy who likes terrible films. You know, I'll fly the flag for bad movies. I reckon I'll enjoy this. And even I was like, this is... How has is, how is Zac Efron as a sexy dad been made into a boring film?
0: Yeah, that's, it's quite a weird career choice. I think, was it after this? He's like, I'm ready to go back to high school musical. <laughs>
2: this is yeah. like,
0: that shows how bad his career is going. He's just like, yeah, I, I need to go back to, back to Disney.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or just, he's really funny in comedies. He mm. is really funny. Like the Neighbours movies are funny. Yeah. Yeah. Mike and Dave need wedding days. I think is really funny. I think, do more of that.
0: Though Dirty Grandpa was not a great turn. No, that
2: was terrible. That was dreadful.
0: Paul, how are you feeling about today's list of all the films that uh, we've been discussing over the past few months? Are there any favourites, any ones that you've got sort of controversial opinions
2: about? The most controversial my opinion get with this list is in terms of like The Dark Knight, I think Batman Begins is better. Oh, Because I think it's sillier and that's why I enjoy it more. Yeah. Because it feels more like a comic book film. And I think The Dark Knight, Dark Knight is good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love The Dark Knight. I saw that film so many times in the cinema. That came out, I was what, 2008? I was 14. So I was like obsessed. I was like, Christopher Nolan is the greatest director of all time. But mm. uh, I prefer Batman Begins. And um, Snatch, I, 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 see, I enjoy most of these films. I low-key really enjoy The Room.
1: To be fair, I mean, uh, we both also enjoyed the vast majority of this list, because I think what we'll establish later is how many of them made it into the movie vault as opposed to not made it in. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you know, a lot of, like, big famous ones have come up because it's like, oh, well, we need to talk about this if we're talking about anime or if we're talking about Guy Ritchie films, we need to talk about this one. So, you know, there's a lot of, like, big films that have come up via this, but it's been, you know, really pleasant to kind of, like, revisit or see some, like, classics that we've never seen or some more modern ones in in the case of some of the animation stuff. So, yeah, it's going be, gonna to be a fun discussion, recapping uh, all the films that we've been discussing. Uh, so, you know, we're going to sort of talk about how how we feel about the run of films so far uh, any highlights uh, discussing what went into the movie vault and you know maybe some stuff that we didn't get to talk about before um, and then at the end we'll still have our traditional uh, end game obviously it won't be choosing next time's film because that has already been chosen in the form of frenzy uh, the Alfred Hitchcock film which we'll be discussing on our next episode which was chosen by Mary in our in our last episode but today we're just gonna have a fun one. Uh, which is going to be me versus Craig, which is always entertaining. And for anyone who's keeping track at home, I've never won against Craig, so <laughs> it's all on all on today. But, uh,
1: Not all on today. You make it sound like <laughs> you make it sound like you win this, and all other competitions we've done are null and void. We end the podcast if I don't win. <laughs> no.
0: let's uh, first get to our recap, uh, talking about some of the films that we've discussed over the past few months so craig uh how do you feel about the run of films so far when we saw decided to go through this kind of format of saw every episode leading to the next what did you kind of expect does this stay to what you kind of expected have you had a better
1: time than you thought worse time have you heard of that theory of just there is a reason why we need bad things to happen in our lives so that we can appreciate the good yeah that's been this run of of films I think, I don't know, I feel like most most choices have been way too safe insofar as these are just universally acclaimed, uh, universally acclaimed films to the point of discussing them week on week. After a while, you just, you still lose that sense of euphoria because you just start going, yeah, it was good. It was amazing for a reason, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah, there were just good things. And just after a while, I'm just like, you know what? I want something bad. I want something to just genuinely get angry about. (laughs) Honestly, this has just felt like a weird form of medication. And it's not the kind of good medication. It's that sort of, you know, sedative medication. Just after a while, I'm just, I'm just here going, just trying to find something to just get, you know, get absolutely sort of passionate about. And there's only so much that, you know, positive passion can necessarily take you so far. So for anyone who happens to be listening and is going to be a guest, if you want to suggest some like utterly, utterly garbage films, I'm ready. Come on, bring them on. Like I've had suggestions waiting and then people have gone, yeah, that, I'm, I'm not going to go with, with this. I'm going to go with this. I think the closest we've obviously gotten is the last film that we discussed, which you can't even call it necessarily a bad film. It's just a film that sort of aged poorly mm. um, and also just conceptually is a bit odd. Yeah. But it's made in a very... It's made in a like a very good way for the time. It's just that... I'm sorry, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde is a stupid concept. <laughs> so you can only do so much with it until you just go, yeah, all right, we've made this the best that we can. We just have to accept that it's just not going to be seen for all time. It's not something you can necessarily call bad. It's just we didn't put it in. I think for, for
0: me on the flip side, I would say that I... You know, and I kind of went in expecting the bad, you know, like, oh, we get to choose what they need to watch and this make them suffer. And you know, to go along with what Craig has said, I think I'm more on the side of like I'm a bit more fascinated by some of the films, which are like, they're almost great. Or they're like they're like a two star, two and a half, like it it should be good, but there's just so much missing from it. Or they have, like I said, problematic elements, um, or they looked like they were gonna be amazing in the trailers. Though those kind of films I quite enjoy. Similar to Eternals, which I'm like, I'm a defender of this film. I like it because everything that I do think is strong about it is very strong. But I can also acknowledge that there's a lot wrong with it as well. Um, but I don't think it should be kind of like the Twitter style of like, it's either terrible or really good, uh, which kind of goes against what, you know, obviously
1: the, the dud or, you know, well worth watching. But hey. And you finally admit it. <laughs> just... Every episode asking me, was this a dud or or, w- or was this great? And just um see. <laughs> we're part of the machine we're a part of
0: the machine but you know that's where the discussion element comes into it but i think yeah I, I do enjoy that kind of discussion and yeah it is right that you know sometimes when every film is like amazing it's it's hard to sort like pick them apart as much but i did expect more people to be like let's give them this to suffer from and even though like you said give us some more like challenging films I've never been like, oh, give us birdemic and give us like, you know, some like crazy random language film. Because those again are very like, oh, they're just awful. They're terrible for a reason. Or it's very hard to like sit through or like get any pleasure from. That's why it's again those where we've talked about before, things like Van Helsing, Mortal Kombat, there's like fan bases, there's people who love this, there's reasons to like them, there's reasons not to like them. Um I think those are sometimes the fun discussions. So But because I thought that we would get a lot of bad recommendations, I have enjoyed having a lot of these great films to talk about, especially after, again, last year where we had the likes of Space Jam 2, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. There was so much stuff that I watched last year, which I was like, oh, this is so mediocre and terrible. I kind of now, you know, and things like Netflix films, which I was like, oh, this looks good. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, that's kind of just, you know, okay." So I I have enjoyed having like a bit more quality recently um, and having some prestige films. But I think, like you said, rightfully transition into maybe some more interesting films in terms of quality, I think will be good. Paul, where do you come, not specifically about those films, but where do you come down on kind of like, you know, great masterpieces and controversial films i suppose you've already alluded to it a bit with dark knight and uh, eternals yeah
2: my 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 kind of thing like just when judging a film is sometimes you know sometimes there's i always i I like i differentiate between a film that i love and a film that i think is great because like i love scooby-doo the movie it is not a good film (laughs) but I love it and I will defend it with my life. I love Coyote Ugly. It's a bad film, but I love it. The Godfather is a great film. I don't know that I would watch it of an afternoon, just go, oh, I fancy watching Godfather, Godfather Part 2. It's a heavy film. So Mm. there's there's a good, you know, there are great films and there are bad films that are enjoyable. And I kind of have that thing of like, this film, you know, like it tell us, like I Wonder Woman, uh, nineteen eighty-four. I really, I really do enjoy. It's problematic as sin. There's a lot of stuff in it where you're like, "That's an issue, that's a problem, that's a problem." But the, the, I think when you get into like directors that are sort of the brand or uh, franchises as a whole, there is that thing of it either has to be the greatest film ever made or it's the worst thing ever. And it's like, sometimes things are just average. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes a Star Wars film is just okay. Like with something like Star Wars, it's like varying quality is what Star Wars made its name in. Like not all of, not all of Lucas's stuff was a home run. And the same with like, you know, with Marvel where it's like, oh, is this going to be the moment where the bubble bursts? And it's like, Eternals is, it's fine. It shouldn't have been a mini series and Falcon should have been a movie. But it's fine black widow is fine i you know it's enjoyable people are like it's dreadful it's not dreadful it's just okay and that's okay that's my sort of philosophy on it you know sometimes a christopher nolan film is just okay
0: yeah i think some people try to get you know get too caught up in maybe not so much spielberg maybe back in the day of like you know home run after home run but you know quentin tarantino who's very selective and got these like you know small selection of films that he makes but when you're going to get directors that like patty jenkins etc which come onto these big projects as we mentioned before people like taiko atiti there's going to have to be some sacrifices of like vision or if they do go all in with their vision then you come out with something quite jarring sometimes so that's why again with something like uh like a Tim Burton film or like with Wonder Woman 1984, sometimes I'll watch them and be like, yes, I could see why somebody wouldn't enjoy this or why it's a bit uh, problematic. But I'm like, but I wouldn't want to lose those things that are so strong for what would make it a, a, a better film, you know, like, because... The same with multiverse of madness i'm like well if you then made it a more conventional audience pleasing film then you're going to lose everything that's kind of so original and unique about it you know it's the same with something like the avatar you know avatar films you know they are very made very much made for like mass appeal like kind of give very generic story big visuals easy to understand story you know so then you know you can be like yeah it looks great and you know it's it's a very easy to enjoy film but it just means that it's just Fun popcorn kind of stuff. Whereas then, when you get your more so like risky projects, in which people come away and be like, oh, I don't like how that character did this. This was a bit too violent for me. This turned this. And it's like, well, that's where it's going to come down to people who are like, this is my jam. This is not my jam, you know? And I think that's why, again, this franchise stuff can be fine in that sense that you can be even somebody who watches some of the DC films and could actually go. I'm more of a Wonder Woman 1984 type of Wonder Woman fan and or you could have more of a I'm Wonder Woman the first film kind of fan because I think there's a bit of Snyder influence on that first film whereas like Patty Jenkins said with 1984 she kind of wanted to bring in the more kind of Wonder Woman doesn't use weapons kind of element to the character. It depends how you view that character and for a character who's existed for so long there's going to be different interpretations of them. The same with Superman. Um, same with Star Wars. What does Star Wars mean to you? So many people come away from like Rogue One and say that is Star Wars to me, and it's just like it depends on what what those films are for you. I've been l- in for a kind of more like Jedi, you know, light and dark kind of film, like what well, we got in things like Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith. Haven't had that yet, but I have had it in things like Clone Wars and and Visions, which then is a you know more creative kind of like focused stories.
2: Yeah, and it's also that kind of thing like you kind of have to take stuff for what it is as well i think i think the problem with you know something like like wonder woman 84 is that i think people were expect people expected a modern superhero film and what jenkins did was she was like well it's set in the 80s i've made i've made an 80s superhero film and if you look at like superman 2 or superman 3 they're really they're really silly they're really, like Superman 3's got, like, Richard Pryor doing slapstick comedy, and then you watch this and you're like, this is filled with slapstick. It's like, clearly, that's what she's gone, I want to make a film from the 80s. And it's the same with the Burton Batmans as well. They're very much like, they're not great Batman films, but they're very good weird Tim Burton films. But if if you're a diehard comic obsessive, that's like, if Batman's like your hero, you're going to hate those films because... He's just killing people left, right, and centre. He's nuts. It's a weird Tim Burton goth movie, and Batman kind of secondary. And so it's kind of that thing of you know, the same with like the Last Jedi. You know, Ryan Johnson was like, "I'm going to subvert expectations," and a lot of people are like, "We don't, we don't want expectations subverted. We want all the bits that we like played out again." But then I sort of think may as well take a risk you might as well swing for the fences and if it doesn't land properly then you know then it doesn't i mean i i still think a bit a bit like um you know one of the films we have here is sherlock holmes doing a sort of geezer reboot of sherlock holmes seems like such a risky idea and you're like yeah but you just go along with it because it's fun
0: yeah yeah because then it just gives you that like you know smorgasbord of different versions isn't it like you know if you don't want the same type of character you know same type of film for these characters each time you know it's like oh what if you know this character was like this well if it was set in this period etc it's a fun way of doing it and I think that's what will be interesting in the future, especially when we're talking about the movie vault, is like, well, this is a great, you know, Sam Raimi, Tim Burton film, but then does that mean that it should be remembered in that sense, even if people didn't enjoy it as much or it's more of a problematic film? I think quite a lot of these films are, you know, they're known for being just so like famous for their genre and for what they did in terms of like breaking the mold, et cetera, but not so much like this has got the fingerprints, apart from maybe snatch, of like their director all all over it, um, but they are very kind of like important for their kind of genres and those sections of the industry. Craig, was there any kind of like specific highlights from the run that uh, you saw look back on
1: fondly? I mean, I'm I'm still in awe of A Town Called Panic just because of just an absolute sheer contrast to everything that we were, you know, looking at at the time. We had a lot of films that, you know, structurally made sense and were just made like that. And then you have this, weird stop motion French piece of just we don't care what the narrative is we're just going to throw everything we have we just don't care, it's just going to be manic and fun and I'm still in love with that film and it just broke things up for me in a way that just gave me a sort of childlike enthusiasm again
0: yeah, I was going to say the highlight for me as well is just even that animation era, even though Akira is, again, one of those films we were saying, which, you know, of, of course it has to go in. It's this masterpiece of anime. But I did really enjoy sort of like revisiting that film because, you know, I came kind of late to Akira. I kind of rewatched that during the pandemic when they were talking about the 4K re-release and everything like that. So again, to rewatch it again uh, a short time after experiencing it for the first time last time and because it's such a like heavy film in terms of like its themes and the kind of animation style I was like oh I'm I'm able to kind of appreciate a lot more of the nuances within this and kind of really respect why it's it's such a massive film I think like we said before there's a lot of famous films that you get in the past which you kind of look at and kind of re-watch afterwards something like say Top Gun now which is like gonna have Top Gun Maverick come out in which you watch the original uh, you're like yeah you know I can see why that's famous you know I, I see why everyone likes it there's a lot of famous films like that and you kind of come away kind of like that hasn't like influenced me or changed me personally but i can just see why it's 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 good or i can't find much fault with it but it, it's not my jam as we were saying before whereas akira again you know it's, it doesn't necessarily like go to all of my tastes like you know in that episode we were talking about you know crazy sci-fi stuff and uh you know neo punk or stuff but again i just kind of like love the boldness of it and it kind of reminded me of what i love about anime and animation about what what kind of stories you can tell so that, in ki- that entire kind of run of like a town called panic akira your name i thought they were all great representations of what animation can provide um, and all the different kinds of stories that you can have so we'll go on now to you know breaking down those kind of like films we've had, we'll just pick a few of the highlights as we saw mentioned there, um, or if there's anything that we haven't mentioned. Um, I'll tell you all the list up front, which is all the films we've uh, discussed over the past few months. So we've got The Room from 2003, Sherlock Holmes from 2009, Snatch from 2000, The Italian Job from 1969, The Dark Knight from 2008, A Town Call Panic from 2009, Akira from 1998, and... Your Name from 2016, and then Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde from 1971. So starting at the top there, Paul, I know, as you said, you've got some uh, thoughts on The Room. Do you think that was a good place for us to start off? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> I, I think The Room is always the best place to start because it's, it's not good it's it's put it's poorly made it's it's made shoddily it's badly acted it's terribly written it's edited bad everything about it is awful and yet i've seen it several times i read the disaster artist the greg sestero book i saw you know the the film of the disaster artist and i I don't believe Tommy Wiseau's thing where he's like, oh, it was always meant to be a comedy. It's like, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It's the same thing as, you know, Shyamalan says it about um, The Happening. He was like, oh, it was always meant to be an over-the-top comedy. That's all. It's like, no, it wasn't. No, Mm. you have never indicated that you were a comic director. You know, you make supernatural thriller horror movies, and that's what The Happening was meant to be. And The Room was meant to be a steering relationship drama. That is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. And it's so quotable. And I I, you know, I think it's it's one of those things, you know, people talk about cult movies, and there is that thing. If you try and make a cult movie, you'll just make a bad film. But if you try and make a good film, you'll make a cult movie in the process. And you know, but that is like the ultimate one. The fact that Prince Charles Cinema in London shows it every month and people show up in droves with spoons and as the characters and shout the lines at it. And I mean, I do it, I do it all the time. Someone walks into a room, I do turn around and go, Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's yeah. I, I think it is a terrible film that has brought a lot of joy to people, which in a way is better than just a drama that would have, you know, if it was just an awards bait drama, it would have been forgotten. Nobody would remember it.
0: Yeah, and I think that it goes to show as well about if you deliberately go out there to make a bad film or you try to make something really good and it fails, like I said earlier, with something like Birdemic or something, in which it's just like you see these awful CGI effects, it's not quite as interesting then in which you're like, oh, I could just recognise this is just really bad and this is a struggle to watch. Whereas there's just something about the room which is fascinating. And um, I think definitely that experience factor is why I think it deserves to be in the movie vault, because when I first saw it, I had seen like reviews of it, like scenes from it. But when I first watched the entire thing, it was at university and we had like this sort of film society night in which everyone was in this kind of lecture theater and everyone was bursting out laughing And kind of like, whoa, oh my God, what's going on? So it was such a great communal experience. And that's, like you said, Paul, is why those, you know, cinema trips, you know, make so much sense. Because it's it's such a fun experience for people to have together. And I think that it's also led to this kind of fun acknowledgement almost of like, cult films which are like bad and you enjoy for that reason as you were sort mentioning before maybe not to the levels of like scooby-doo which has still got like some enjoyable elements to it but there's definitely those films which are just like goddamn awful which people get like a kick out of because they're so badly made um you know the fact that we've then had films like you know maybe Ed Wood was like the original kind of one but then we've also had the disaster artist dolomite is my name like i love both of those films because they're kind of made with such enthusiasm and kind of show a different side of the industry of not being just like here's this really famous director and here's why they're really good you know you look at like a film from years ago i think that anthony hopkins hitchcock film in which you were like yeah it's kind of what you expect it to be it wasn't you know we know who hitchcock is whereas you know i don't know i didn't know who dolomite was and you know to have the same thing with a disaster artist of this like Tommy so which is such a strange character so to kind of be presented with him on screen with a character that you're not used to seeing in film is kind of unique and the same with Dolmite Is My Name is to kind of see this passion coming from somebody and things that people are like cracking up laughing and seeing how somebody approaches they're like let's just run with it let's kind of do it do it it's kind of it's fun to watch and i think you know i, I would be happy to see more films like that I would, like focusing on these like bad filmmakers who knows maybe one day in the future we'll get like a uh how the fan four stick film was made or something like that but probably you would see just how they all had a terrible time but
1: <laughs> yeah that would literally just be a film of loads of people going we want to do this and then just fox executives coming coming in just like hey guys yeah. um just josh trank there, like
0: please don't you know so but i don't know maybe there's a better example of uh like terrible films being made but um but yeah, i enjoy that kind of like weird sub that has been created similar with the nick cage film i guess as well of kind of acknowledging the kind of campiness and yeah, to, an, yeah.
1: to an extent but that's done in a sort of massively different way right mm-hmm. yeah um it was more a sort of uh, nick being frustrated with his position in life and having to come to terms with it to some extent as opposed to like yeah, this actual, you know, look.
2: Unbearable weight did feature one of my favourite uh, jokes, which is when they're talking about um how he meets like his wife and he was like oh yeah she was a costume designer or she was a makeup artist on captain corelli's mandolin oh, i love that film Oh, it's underrated for sure like that <laughs> is still like, it's a bad film but that is a good joke yeah but the room interestingly
0: led us then to sherlock holmes uh, which was saw so your pick craig from that end game
1: yeah did you get out of that choice what what you wanted because that was one you'd never seen as in, I wanted to see the film, so I saw it. Yes, it gave me exactly what I wanted <laughs> but in terms of what you expecting from the quality. I guess I don't think I was really expecting anything. I think, look, I knew to some extent that it was going to be it was going to be somewhat competent insofar as enough people liked it, so they made a sequel, uh, a sequel I've not yet seen, and potentially a third sequel to which I've heard absolutely nothing about anymore. I'm genuinely confused as to what's happening to this film. Recently there's been rumors that Johnny
0: Depp might be in the next one, that Robert Downey Jr. wants Johnny Depp to be in it. But it's like, okay, it's coming back alive, but
2: okay. Um it's been, it's been directed by Dexter Fletcher, I read that yeah. Dexter Fletcher's doing it because Guy Ritchie was like, Um, oh, but I've got like 20 other movies I need to make. So <laughs> Dexter Fletcher's a good choice. He's a good director, so and he's been in a lot of Guy Ritchie stuff, so he's he's gonna but I've not heard any apart from the fact that yeah, Johnny and uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law have gone like, yeah, we'll do it when it's, you know, when they say he's show up on this time at this point, we'll be there. It just seems weird that, like, the second one came out in, like, 2011 or something, and it's been over 10 years. It just seems a bit – you, you would have thought strike while the iron's hot, especially when Robert Downey Jr. was, like, a hot property. He's kind of fizzled a bit, you know, do little – was meant to be his big, you know, his big, I'm not just Iron Man thing. And that kind of was awful. So I, I don't know.
1: Doolittle again, is something I still find a lot of offense in, both insofar as being a Welshman listening to that accent, to insofar as I was sent to watch it on my own, wasn't I, David?
0: Yeah, it it is weird that that one has been so long since for the sequel The only hope, like, the reason I kind of most want it to be made is because it would give hope to a Hellboy 3. (laughs) It's like, if we're going to have, like, long-awaited, like, sequels, then maybe there's hope for Hellboy 3 if that one does come out. Maybe not the same sort of, like, financial success the studios would see it as, maybe for the Sherlock films compared to those Hellboy films. But we can always live in hope of, like, long-awaited sequels after many years. But it also is interesting how that Sherlock Holmes led us down this kind of route of... We even circled back to it almost with Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde of these kind of, like, gritty crime-related films. Oh, this is
1: going to be a stretch, you connecting those two films. (laughs) Well,
0: no, but I mean, in terms of, like, you know, we had Snatch, we had Italian Job, we had Dark Knight. And then so somewhat then Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde was still circling back to that kind of like era and everything like that as well. And now... No, it wasn't. Well, we're going to Frenzy next as well. So we are still back on that, you know, that road of like, you know, crime, thrillers, these kind of directors. Doctor um, Jekyll and
1: Sister Hind is not a crime thriller. No, but I,
0: I, I said the, I said no, I said the period for that one. That's the period it was set in, like so What like, the eighteen so. hundreds?
2: <laughs> it's it's period.
1: <laughs>
2: to be fair, Sherlock Holmes has more in common with um, the Dark Knight in the yeah that Sherlock Holmes feels like a very Batman Begins react you know, that that era where everyone went, hang on, Batman Begins was good. Can we do a dark gritty? Reboot, you know, Consumer with weird Royale. gadgets, yeah, and and Sherlock Holmes felt like yeah, Sherlock Holmes begins sort of thing, so it, yeah, and then it kind of ties into the Dark Knight and things like that.
1: Yeah, that I will give you. I agree yeah. with that interpretation, right? If the conversation was we had a we we had a sort of uh, like linear sort of uh, crime gritty esque going from uh, Sherlock Holmes and ending at Dark Knight, I would have not ranted. But well, what I mean is like, we're not talking about next week,
0: like next time, like some weird sci-fi film or like we're like in talking about like fantasy or anything. We're still back to those kind of like crime films. I just Sure. Find interesting and again, if sense. any
1: future guests are listening, can you can you break the genre a little bit? <laughs> Craig wanted to get off the Guy Ritchie train. OK, <laughs> but um, well, um yeah, insofar as people were just going, oh, we've had one Guy Ritchie film. Let's go into another. It's like, yeah, can we not have that for? every week because otherwise it's literally just hello and welcome to well guy richie movies
0: <laughs> but yeah paul you said you had some thoughts on sherlock holmes as well what what do you think of that as a kind of like it's an interesting entry that's probably the one which i disagreed with most of going into the movie vault actually but um but yeah i i, I think it, it it was definitely fun in the sense of like setting this trajectory of having some more random films thrown in there
2: i i, I really i really liked it i didn't expect to uh, I thought, I thought, I I enjoy it. That first one, you can kind of feel like it it's, does suffer from setting up like their version of Sherlock Holmes. So it's like, we have to introduce, you know, our version of Victorian London. We have to, so the villain, as good as Mark Strong is, as, as uh, Blackwood, uh, you do feel like, mm. You're not as strong. You're not as strong a villain as you know that you get like in the second one with Moriarty, where you're like, "Oh, this is a confident." Yeah, you know, again, a bit like Batman Begins, where you're like, "The villain's a bit weak," and then you go to The Dark Knight, and you're like, "Oh, it's the Joker. Okay, it's his arch nemesis." So it's kind of they've got a similar issue, the Batman Beginsy thing, of you have you do a lot of heavy lifting to introduce your characters, but I think it's an interesting route to go i i know that i thought the action sequences were really well done definitely yeah
0: and i thought that you know you still had the fun you know aspect of him analyzing the situation you know with the boxing etc and even just when like you know he jumps out of that his house or whatever and he like you know get he puts all the soot on his face and stuff like that there's like a lot of like inventive sequences like that and a lot of fun and you know, good dynamic between him and Jude Law, which obviously is what people wanted to see more. Yeah, the banter
2: was what worked best. When it was sort of like a Shane Black movie, you know, and it was kind of that buddy film, and they're bickering and arguing, and there's all that talking sort of over each other and at the same time and stuff. I thought that was when the film worked best, and the sort of actual plot was kind of like, I don't really actually care about this mystery. I just want to see watson and holmes argue over something while beating up bad guys
1: which does sound counterintuitive for a sherlock holmes plot when you think about it but does weirdly work to some extent
2: i I like the fact that you know their version of watson wasn't just like guy who falls over and gets bonks on the head he was actually a military man he's now a doctor that kind of thing but it is, it is weird that, yeah, all the, all the stuff about, oh, we have to uncover the secret cult and the order of... I was just a bit like, I don't really care about this. I will put him back in the dockyard, beating up the big goon and talking about opium again. That's where the film is at its strongest. And the, the plot is kind of not important, really. Which, yeah, does feel weird to say about, you know, detective fiction.
0: Well, that one also led us then to uh, the film which we discussed with you, Paul, and uh, Reese, which was uh, fun as well, because that was a, a big favourite of his was Snatch from 2000. Um, again, I think another sort deserve in entry to the, the vault because we just said it was one of those films in which, like, oh, we have to put it in because of its legacy. You know, it's, you know, really skyrocketed uh, Richie's career, etc. And, you know, the, the lines and everything I come away from, you know, really respecting that aspect i think you said reggie paul that you know you were surprised how well it's aged considering some of the you know the jokes and and the content that, that is in there um i guess that one obviously we've you know we've already discussed and when we said about highlights it wasn't particularly in the highlights because i guess it was one of those of like you know we have to acknowledge about how how famous and how well done this film uh
1: was done maybe not so much for Craig he didn't enjoy it as as much but um I was just skeptical about how I should view certain things that's all yeah I mean it's still not going to be a film that I probably will ever revisit unless prompted but I couldn't really argue with you guys about any of the things you were necessarily saying yeah nor could I be bothered to Mm
0: one of those of like it, it wasn't my jam kind of thing as we were saying before I was really happy like with what we got then after that as we mentioned earlier the Italian job from 1969 because for me you know I kind of this film has always kind of been there whether I've always like kind of like watched it fully through but you know I know watching it with my dad etc and what I really loved about re-watching this again was every time I've watched it I've kind of like been like oh this is really good you know this is really enjoyable you can see why it's so good and re-watching it this time, I was like, you know what? This would go into one of my, like, top lists or something. I think this... I'm not sure about, like, top ten or something, but this is really a favourite. I think that's what really stuck with me after watching it, is that that film was still, like, in my head for quite a while afterwards. Just all the scenes, so, like, iconic, like, you know, the funeral parts, when they're racing through the city, etc. Uh, the characters, etc. You know, I think it's just really iconic and I really love talking about that film and, and revisiting it again. I think that in some ways it is kind of not talked about enough. I think the Italian job and um, I think it's kind of surprising. So many people go, Oh, the Mark Wahlberg one. I'm like, what, like, wh- what are you on about this? <laughs> I'm surprised that the legacy sometimes is that people only talk about the new one. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed like talking about the Italian job um, and I was glad I did. So I, it definitely, I think, is very deserving entry into the movie vault and, and one that, you know, has such iconic scenes and lines such as, you know, you're only supposed to blow the blade doors off. But again, I think that even that is testament to it's not just about that line. I think there's so many other good lines in that film and so many other sequences that I love.
1: I'm still obsessed with the production history of that film. It is it is the most fun I've ever had writing a VHS corner. So, Paul, I'm not sure if you uh, heard, but my favourite fact about the film was that uh, in order to get gridlock scenes, in order uh, to basically show how they've sort of you know halted the city so they could just drive through and uh, heist, they did ask city officials if they could shut down the traffic lights and the city officials said no. So in the end, the actual mafia um, shut off roads for them um and they actually yeah they paid the mafia so basically anytime i have to argue about um you know mafia solving for where the state fails i'm using that as an example
2: that i did i didn't know that i knew i mean i my my introduction to the italian job was um the ps1 game same Mm yes same yeah i guess you you remember that that? back in the day there was a playstation then I saw the film one afternoon on TV and, you know, you know, the, the the theme tune, you know, the lines. And I do remember Michael Caine in like 170 different interviews going, oh, there was going to be a sequel. And the, the plan was that, the, oh, we let the bus go over the edge and then they have to re-steal the gold from like the mafia or something like the Italian government or something like that. He was like, so it was another car heist. And I was like, why didn't they make that?
1: Yeah, there were multiple um, competing theories about what the actual plot would have been. Um, so yeah, that was one of them. Uh, another one, I think, was just that the bus stayed still and then just got towed by the mafia. Uh, there's so many ideas of what they would have
2: had. That thing you were saying about, um, you know, why isn't it as well remembered is that it sits in that period where like, every film Michael Caine did was a certifiable classic. So, like, you know, so it's, like, the same era as Alfie, as Zulu, as Get Carter, as uh, Man Who Would Be King. So you kind of have that thing of, like, there's just, there's just like, a hit after a hit after a hit. And, yeah, so, because I always, when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, Michael Caine made some good films. I look back, and like, oh, and he did that one as well. It's not like when you get to the 80s and the 90s where it's, like, there's a good film, and then there's like five really bad films. And then there's a good film again. It was like just every film he made was like a classic.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Michael Caine, I, I I needed to bring this up because I've forgotten about it. Uh, I was in the doctor's surgery last week because, you know, looking after myself. Um, and I saw an advert that they had uh, from NHS Wales about... Um, uh, about getting the booster for some reason michael Kane is the actor they have wow <laughs> uh, so it starts off as elton john they're basically doing uh, a sort of audition uh for they wanted the celebrity to look as if they've just had the boost uh the vaccine and basically look as okay and they end up not using elton john because he's too animated and just too unrealistic and he's like right fine throw it away i'm the biggest celebrity you'll get cut and then michael Kane, they've just had it. it's like Thank you, my dear. Oh, hello. I am Michael Kane.
2: <laughs> Why is Michael Caine doing adverts for the NHS? Couldn't couldn't have gotten uh, like a Welsh person to do it, Tom Jones? Oh no, I don't think it was. I,
1: I might have accidentally said NHS Wales when I meant NHS, oh. but uh, but like, yeah, just for some reason they got both Elton John and then oh. just a short short Michael Kane. <laughs>
2: Oh, don't worry. Just get the jab. It's all right, guys. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, I think when I was, like, editing that, I was getting a lot of Michael Kane suggested videos on YouTube, and etc., where I was, like, searching the trailer and things like that. And I think there's that interview from, like, uh parkinson where he said like is it where he does his own soul like impression where he talks about the <laughs> birthday cards like when people open birthday cards he's like hello this is michael kane and all this and he's like, like when he hears that he's just like where does this come from but the bit that absolutely cracked me up when i was also editing the uh, italian job episode was our guest luke talks about the ps1 game as well and he said that you know what made him laugh about it was that the person who's like playing uh, Michael Caine's character you know clearly is not Michael Caine and they've just it sounds like they've just got like any voice actor or anybody down the road or something to like voice them and just do a typical Michael Caine impression so I was kind of like I need to like find this now so I just typed in YouTube you know PS1 Italian Job gameplay and uh, it had me in stitches just listening to the like just this person voicing over as is going through like this really basic 2D map of London just like right and all you need to do then is go around the two and we need to do this and uh it's just so funny if you want to listen to bad michael kane impressions a very ps1 level kind of like gameplay is 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 great yeah that led us then interestingly another kind of like sharp turn i suppose as we we're talking about you know as we'll get on to with town Call panic but uh yeah we went then to the dark knight uh, mainly with the michael cain uh, link there and it was kind of timely as well because that's when uh, the Batman had just come out as well so uh, Paul you've already mentioned that you you know your kind of thoughts on it may be a bit controversial in terms of Batman Begins I'm kind of glad you said that as well because it was such an episode in which we were kind of like oh it's it's this kind of like famous this big comic book movie that everyone needs to love and you know I've always kind of like I watched it first and was like yeah that's amazing second watch I was like mm, I'm not sure if I do love it just as much. And I think that is what, you know, the the struggle I have with it is not seeing it as a Batman film, but a Joker film or a Christopher Nolan film. Um, And I think that that's why it was kind of timely with the release of the Batman was because, again, that was such a kind of drastic take on the character.
2: Yeah, and I think as well with it, it's that kind of thing of like marvel always say oh this is it's a superhero film but it's a different genre as well it's a heist movie and nolan described his trilogy as batman begins is like a psychological thriller and then the dark knight is a crime action thriller like a michael Mann heat kind of film and then rises is a kind of historical epic he wanted that kind of a tale of two cities the story of of a nation kind of thing and i think that's probably where people divert is, well, what, which would you prefer? Do you prefer the Michael Mann? Do you prefer the historical? Do you prefer the psychological? And maybe I, you know, I mean, I, I like the Dark Knight Rises to an extent, and I, but it is that kind of thing of Batman Begins felt a bit more fantasy than the Dark Knight. But when I rewatched the Dark Knight and I, cause actually funny if I was rewatching it the other day and I was that the opening I think it's about half an hour I'm surprised how quickly it moves at a pace. It's like, right, he, right. you're introduced to the Joker. Right, he's done this. So you know who the Joker is. Cool. Right, this is where the crime is at after the first film. This is what Batman's been doing. This is Harvey Dent. See him in court. That's what he's like. That's the mayor. That's cool. Go- like, it just cuts through all of them. And it kind of, the scenes end before they finish a sentence. It's just kind of really booking through the, you know, the first half an hour of setting every character up so that you can then sort of slow it down a bit. And it is quite interesting that the middle of the film is quite, it's almost like one long set piece. And uh, I mean, I yeah, I still enjoy, it. I remember seeing it in IMAX and the bit where the the truck flips still blows my mind. And the fact that, you know, only Christopher Nolan can go, we're going to flip a real truck though. We're going to do that for real. If you're jumping off a building, you're going to jump off a real building. If, it's, if we're going to have two ships, it's going to be two ships. You know, only he can sort of get away with saying, no, everything has to be real we have to destroy real buildings we have to destroy real cars
0: yeah i think that that's what was the surprise for me revisiting it like when i kind of it had been a few years since i watched it and i kind of when i think back of it it's like oh this is dark gritty batman you know there's this conversations about joker and then when i was rewatching it, i was like wow i forgot how mad masks-esque it is in the sense it was just this constant kind of like you know action set piece almost they're just like one to the other to the other like the bit you were talking about where you were saying about how things like almost end before you know quite quickly the one that sticks out in my mind is when like the joker breaks up that party and he shoves you know rachel uh off like the roof and then like when batman goes to save her and everything and then when it goes to, like the next scene or something i was like wait what, wait what happened to joker what, what what happened with the party i remember sort of thinking have i missed something here um, but yeah, I think that that to me was why the takeaway was like, oh, it's strength in is what it is, as this kind of like massive thriller set piece. You know, the hospital one is one that always gets me. I think that's the one that maybe blows my mind the most is when you see him walking away from that.
2: It is his film and it's, you know, I know that a lot of those kind of movies, the villains win out. And actually, the, I think maybe the thing I like about Batman Begins is, it's one of the first superhero films where the villains didn't upstage the hero. Mm. But then you get to... Dark Knight, and it is it's Heath Ledger's film, and you know even you know the tragedy of his untimely death looms over the film as well. But even even if he hadn't passed away, I still think that would have been a a performance for the ages because I just there's no Heath Ledger in it. You can't I can't see the guy from Brokeback Mountain or Ten Things I Hate About You. Like you, I try and see every time I watch it, I'm like I just can't see that guy. He, does, he doesn't exist. He's gone. It's one of those performances where, you know, and a, a lot of people said at the time, oh, he won the Oscar because he died. And to be honest with you, I think he would have won anyway. I think the Academy did genuinely want to give the Dark Knight something, like not just a technical award, but they wanted to give it a, you know, quote unquote legitimate award, you know, one of the big ones.
1: What I will say is you can definitely see where, where the Batman has tried to take, a handful of potential elements. There are elements where, especially with the way in which the Riddler presented himself, um, and I've made jokes about this before with regards to, you know, appearing on the sort of the camera and the the TV screens, etc. He definitely tries to replicate to some extent the horror of like the Heath Ledger sort of video death scene, but probably takes it a bit too far. Insofar as I made so many jokes about the eyes wide open, just going in diagonally on the screen insofar as i see dark knight as a joker film and i see the batman as a bat as a batman film um that's why i think it's quite easy for me to just enjoy them both completely separately right the batman is just actually a detective film which is something very few batman films have actually been yeah whereas the dark knight as much as they want to claim it's the sort of crime thriller i think does go a little bit more into sort of like uh, social, social theory, and try to execute those ways in ways that the other two films in the genre.
2: It's a bit more cops and robbers. Yeah, it's but... a bit more. I do the crime, and then you chase me down the street, kind of thing, as opposed to yeah, the whole I've got to uncover this clue. This clue leads to that clue, and yeah, that yeah, they are very they are very different takes on the character, and I think both work depending on what you want. If you want a crime movie. Or if you want, you know, like a horror film with sequences that, you know, I'm, I watched lots of weird, horrible, scary films. And even I was going, God, this is for a film aimed at, essentially at children. You know, I know it was 15 in the UK, but, you know, the toys are aimed at children. I was a bit like, I don't know how they're going to feel about a man having a carpet tucker cleaved into his skull because i even i was like oh god this is horrible stuff."
1: yeah i mean for me my still my favorite brutal scene is just the um with the henchmen is like okay um we've only got space for one of you who are holding tryouts and just leave them to it they're just they're like even it's so un, it's so underrated as a scene but i just i just love that facet of just forcing people to just become animalistic well, I, I said earlier we were talking
0: about animation. Um, we've mentioned the Town Called Panic as one of the highlights. Um, I also mentioned Akira. So I kind of guess it makes sense to kind of you know bunch these together in terms of like when we had that big run of animation, we had a Town Call Panic, uh, we had Akira, and we had Your Name. Uh, was there any standouts in terms of like what you've seen in the past, Paul, in terms of these animated films, or any ones you've sort checked out in the past or any ones you love or hate any more than, than the other?
2: I, uh, I've got a fondness for A Town Called Panic just because I remember getting a phone call. My, my my dad lives in Sweden. I remember getting a phone call from him and he was like, I've just seen this film. It's the maddest film I've ever seen. It's called A Town Called Panic. Watch it. And I was like, all right. And then I was watching it going, isn't this just the Cravendale adverts? <laughs> yeah. But for like an hour and a bit, and I, it was just bizarre that some people just were like, "Let's just get these little figurines of a of a Native American and a cowboy and a and a horse and just go and do this mad madness." And yeah, like you were saying at the beginning about sort of narrative structure, it does feel like their response would be narrative. Who's that? Because it is just bonkers, as opposed to you know something. It feels so sort of singular that like. In comparison, Akira, when you when you revisit that, I I can't watch Akira without sort of going, Oh wow, people really ripped you off, didn't they? They really stole from you know, not just the Wachowskis, but sort of every kind of science fiction-y, futuristic kind of thing afterwards. They really ripped that movie off to the point where, you know, a bit like when um, Ghost in the Shell got remade in live action and people are like, oh, we've seen this film. It's like, well, what it's based on got, got, you know, ripped to shreds and repurposed. So that's why I think uh, like a live action remake of Akira, you would just sit there going, I've seen this film. This is The Matrix meets kind of Mad Max, meets kind of Dark Knight, meets, you know, any Zack Snyder movie meets, you know, any other big budget Hollywood movie from someone who saw that film. So that is kind of one of those ones where you're like, the influence is so, so big, but it is still enjoyable. I do still enjoy it.
1: It definitely is the one film I think of the batch that we've discussed that definitely has a lot of tropes named after it. So a lot of those uh, a lot of those aspects that we just sort of discussed, which I agree a lot of films draw their inspiration directly from what Akira tries to do. I just also know that uh, whenever now in anime, there's like a motorbike being rid- uh, ridden and it slides specifically on the side, it's always called the Akira slide. And there were just so many tropes like that because of things that Akira does that become so iconic. Um, so yeah, it was just an impossible one to ever sort of one keep away from us, I guess, to, to ever say, oh to basically put in the movie, but it had to, it just had to go in. Even if, other things that have ripped it off have improved some elements um in some areas right i don't i don't think it's a i don't think it's a perfect film but obviously just taking it all in at once there is a majesty to the film which means you have to you know appreciate it
0: yeah and it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier i guess because there would be films out there which i'm like you know i i like it you know do i love it and would I give this a perfect rating? And with something like Akira, I find it hard not to like give it a sort of five star, even though I can see that there are problems there or there are elements that maybe don't work for some people or would make it better. But I'm just like, everything that you do well, you do so well. I think it just like covers up like any sort of problems. And just because they're so dedicated to this one route, I'm like, it's like I said earlier, if you, if you sort of did it a different way, then it would become a completely different film. And I think what stood out for me especially with all three of these animated films, you know, the the second two more so. But I, I suppose it comes into the kind of style aspect that they're all very visually very, very different. You know, A Town Called Panic, like you said, there is a charm there. We were talking in the episode about that kind of like you know, nostalgia and kind of connection you have to stop motion and specifically even, like, farm toys and animals. Why do we kind of, like, cling to this kind of stuff? Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, they all have that kind of same aesthetic and vibe, that kind of, like, warmness to it. The chaotic element to it, and even though, like you said, Paul, that they're just these little figurines, they've got barely any detail on there. But you're not watching it going like, "Oh, there's no detail there." And I, you know, people have talked about it quite a lot recently in terms of like CGI and all of that kind of stuff. And I've said, you know, if I can watch like some janky CGI from you know the early '90s, you know, it doesn't bother me when it's like that bad. You know, okay, something like Cats in which is just disturbing and weird but when it's just you know it's not done in the best way or it could you know it's maybe not the perfect representation of something i'm like i can get past that as long as the story is good enough um or as long as there's that style there and i think that that's definitely the case with a town called panic akira complete opposite you know so detailed so much put into it you know a real passion project and like craig said i'm glad that we talked about it because ultimately then when we're talking about influences of things like matrix and all of these science fiction films we've already talked about what has kind of inspired it because it's so inspirational and also like it's music i think you know that the music from that is so iconic and is so unique um and different and that was a big part of your name which is completely different type of music um but it goes to show what a big thing music is i think all the other films we talked about i wouldn't say that like and maybe apart from the Dark Knight, the soundtrack is a big part of the film. Oh, but
1: what about the room? <laughs>
0: the room soundtrack is iconic <laughs> for different reasons. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, but yeah, I think that the, these animated films as well show the power of like combining all of those visual and audio elements together. Especially with your name, which has such strikingly beautiful imagery, which, unlike a key roach, goes for the very grotesque kind of like gritty, dark visuals you know your name goes for those very like bright uh works of art kind of like visuals it's
2: also that kind of thing where you have you know the whole thing about animation i know that there was a lot of upset at the oscars where they made jokes about animation being for kids <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry sorry. carry on paul sorry i'll explain later okay. but it is that kind of thing of and and i remember um watching something about the incredibles and brad Bird going on some massive rant about how animation isn't a genre it's just a way of presenting a story because genre has tropes but animation has no tropes like if you go describe an animated film there's so many there's no set narrative you can tell a science fiction cyberpunk thing you can tell you know a coming of age story you can tell you know you can tell historical stories the wind rises is you know the studio ghibli film is a historical film you could tell a war movie, Grave of the Fireflies is a prime example. You could tell, you know, silly films and scary, you know, you could do horror with animation. So it's one of those things and sort of the three films that you you guys have discussed kind of show that actually you can make an absurdist comedy that's almost like a Monty Python sketch in that it's just like, and then suddenly this happens and then they go over here. Or you can tell a really gritty action thriller or you could tell this really intimate character study and you you know the only difference is it's done with stop motion or it's done with computers or it's done with hand-drawn animation that's the only difference really it's not you know it's not just for children
0: yeah that's true i didn't think of a town called panic like that actually but it is kind of like those scenes in between the the scenes in um Holy grail of like, you know, when the, you know, the persons they doing the scroll and then like the sun and everything is jumping up and down is, you know, quite like those Monty Python cartoons in that sense
1: (laughs) yeah so the reason that we started laughing at that is because literally in those episodes where we discussed it every single guest brought up how Oscars disrespected animation (laughs) to the point I think David and I had to have a chat about like look have you kept this in because we've already discussed it at length (laughs) every episode was just like how important is
0: animation why is anime so great it's like well a reason why it is and literally
1: I was before you mentioned it I was like should I just mention now because we're talking about free animation films don't mention the Oscars and then you mentioned it i was like there it is but that's
0: why i love it because it shows how how much is pissed off people and how deep that kind of runs and it goes to show that we should you know- just
1: release an episode which is a compilation of all of our guests talking yeah. about how much they don't like the oscars Maybe. because of their disrespect specific specifically amy schumer if you're listening i know you won't be but <laughs> if you ever listen to this podcast amy schumer fuck you amy schumer
2: yeah also just because you know she was making fun of animated films and it was like Uh, Last year had some of the best, most sort of for the whole family, everyone, you know, Mitchell's versus machines works when you're seven and it works when you're 97 in Canto and Luca and all the, you know, there was so many animated films that just worked for adults. You know, I'm, I'm almost 30 and I'm sat there watching, you know, stuff going, oh, I can relate to that. I remember what it was like sort of being in the shadow of this or that. And, yeah, that that thing is ridiculous because, yeah, also there's stuff that you watch in even in, like, Pixar films where you're like, that is not for children. That is very much for, uh, you know, the opening of Up is a prime example of that, where you're like, no kid is going to get this. Yeah, all of those
0: films then, uh, you know, were a build-up uh, to our final film, uh, we talked about Your Name and then that led us to Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde because of our guest Sarah's sort of love of uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Hyde story and this being a different take and it was fun again to go back to Hammer Horror. But out of all of those films, unfortunately, the only film that didn't make it into the movie vault. So every other film's made it into the movie vault so far, but that one didn't. And I'm kind of glad of that because it gave us a film that was interesting to talk about. Why has it got its problems? But why is it also got some you know good pros to it as well i'm glad i watched it i think it was a fun watch um it was a film that we vehemently argued over (laughs) but um yeah for me just one that like we were saying earlier you know they are okay films it doesn't have to be everything is either like amazing or terrible um you know are we gonna go watch dr and sister Hyde anytime soon again Possibly not, but I'm glad that I did see it again to kind of like add to that ham- horror era to kind of understand it a bit more. Um, and there's quite a lot of like interesting sort of facts and trivia from that one as well.
2: Yeah, I kind of, you know, with Hammer, it, it's always the kind of thing with those films where you're like, did did you ever actually read any of these books? Or is it just a vague assumption based on a title that you've kind of gone... Yeah, that's probably what happens in that book, I guess. But, you know, I kind of, I, I enjoy Hammerfields because I, I enjoy watching the things where you're like, if any of them lean too hard on one of the walls, the whole set would fall down. And this that, that one feels like one where you're like, if the camera moves slightly to the left or right, you would see that this is not, you know, a Victorian era building it's a sound stage with like cardboard set maids.
0: Yeah. It's very of that time of Hollywood of just like appreciating the kind of like, It's like when people, when they always go to that, like, street set in American films, which I'm like, oh, it's that same, like, American street which they always use. Like, it looks like the one in Friends and stuff like that. It's like the kind of typical lampposts and cars and stuff like that. There's something kind of, like, nostalgic and kind of comforting about it. It's something, like, almost like when you're watching, like, a play or something, you're like, I know it's not real. I know it's not actually a physical place, but it kind of adds to the theatrics of it. And and like you said, you know that if they leant on it, it would probably fall over, but... It gives us somewhat of a charm, I think. Um, but yeah, as as a film as a whole, not one that would be like, it needs to go in the vault to be remembered for all time. Um, and as I mentioned, I think almost at the omission, maybe of Sarah, I don't want to speak for her, but she did, you know, say the one film that she would put into the vault was like the early, sort of like Jacqueline and Hyde uh, adaptation that came in like the 20s or 30s. So, you know, the plenty interpretations of that story. And also that episode put, the jacqueline hyde song from arthur <laughs>
1: stuck in my head
0: for weeks ever since i'm not
1: the one who ha- i'm not the one who looked it up by choice <laughs> afterwards i mentioned this existence you then went and did the verva research
0: kind of had to
1: <laughs> but yeah that uh rounds up our
0: sort of recap of uh, all of the films that we've discussed recently so for those keeping track at home uh, into the movie vault so far this year has been the room sherlock holmes Snatch, The Italian Job The Dark Knight, A Town Called Panic, Akira and Your Name so those are all in the movie vault all with different reasons for why they've been remembered a lot of ones we saw like covered there Uh, and yeah we look forward to discussing some more films in the future discussing you know whether they should go into our movie vault seeing what comes along on our little train of movies of how one connects to the other uh, we look forward to how we get there and we've got plenty of fun sort of diversions we'll make along the way. Obviously we're going to have things like Halloween in which we're going to discuss all like horror stuff. I'm sure in the summer there'll be some kind of like more blockbuster kind of stuff. Christmas at the end of the year. So yeah, it's going to be going to be fun to see all the different directions that we take. But now, we, as I mentioned earlier, we do have still an end game which gives us a little challenge for myself and Craig. Uh, so Paul has prepared a little quiz for us to test our knowledge on the films we've been discussing. How much we've been paying attention for the last few months of everything we have been watching. So, Paul, if you're ready, it's over to you. We're in the
2: end game now. So there's nine questions, so there will be a definitive winner, hopefully. Uh, OK, question number one. In Akira, what letter is on Takashi's Letterman jacket?
1: Ooh. Craig.
2: Mm-hmm. M? It's a B. Okay. Uh. In the room, Mike describes the discovery of his underwear as a what? Oh.
0: David. Dumb.
2: Unexpected surprise. <laughs> he says it's a
0: tragedy <laughs> all i could think of was the me underwears <laughs>
2: like, you pause that me underwears he goes he goes i had a little tragedy uh, <laughs> um, i just kept thinking of the chocolate stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does the joker's calling card say when he hangs a fake batman in public
0: what does it say
2: Craig?
1: Yeah. For Dent?
2: Will the real Batman please stand up? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, in a town called Panic, how many of the three main characters have bases on their feet? Craig. Two. Yes. Damn it. Yeah,
1: because I know that Cheval obviously wouldn't because yeah. the four legs. I would have said, damn, damn it. Speed.
2: Uh, in Snatch... Doug the head is said to be about as Jewish as he is a what?
0: Did you say is as Jewish as he is a something? Yeah. David. Uh, Catholic
2: nun. Monkey. Oh, okay. I was (laughs) going to,
1: I was going to say yank. (laughs) Uh,
2: In your name, Uh, Taki's tie Is two different shades Of what Like what colour
0: David Green Yes Mm -hmm. I can remember
2: The poster Uh, In the Italian job Which colour Mini Cooper Does Michael Caine use Red White Or blue Craig Blue Red Ah I haven't said (laughs) red Uh in Sherlock Holmes, whenever Lord Blackwood appears, he is often accompanied by which animal?
0: David. A crow?
2: Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh final question. This okay. might be the first time we win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the Gotham City Police Board of possible Batman suspects, the pictures are Bigfoot, Elvis Presley, and who?
0: Do you repeat the question?
2: Yeah. On the Gotham City Police Board of possible Batman suspects, the pictures are of Bigfoot, Elvis, and who?
0: David. Uh, Superman?
2: Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> random. Mr. With two, with two right, you are the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not the <a, laughs> not the most respectable of scores, but yeah,
0: <laughs> still, people have won on less. I think. <laughs> yeah, they have. I think you yeah, got like like le- one right. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> awesome right well i have that at least under my belt i have won an end game against craig and also i can probably go into ones in which i'm against the guests a bit more respectfully now (laughs) after losing the past few uh so yeah thank you paul some great trivia questions there definitely challenged us and uh thank you for joining us for this episode talking all about uh the last slew of films that we've had Uh, for everyone at home as we mentioned in our last episode uh we've had a little bit of a break uh to give you this update uh this little bonus episode but next time we'll be talking about frenzy the alfred hitchcock film from 1972 uh which is kind of tied into the kind of horrific kind of acts that take place in uh, dr jekyll and sister hyde and also have some uh dodgy kind of gender <laughs> representations as uh, mentioned by mary in that one so that should be interested to go through so uh yeah we'll be talking about that in the next episode if you want to join the conversation then go check out frenzy in the meantime uh so you can uh, chat all about it with us and sort of see how it compares to your thoughts uh, but yeah Paul, thank you again for joining us. Uh, can you tell the people? Thank you for having me back. No problem. We'll we'll definitely have you back for an actual film choice again as well. That'll yeah. Be fun probably
1: probably not as an end game host again. Um, we'll see.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will, we will. <laughs> Put so, uh, me in the end game so that I can show just how little I remember about things when I have not vigorously watched them and looked things up so that I can think of questions. <laughs> So, um, where can the people find you? What
0: are your socials? And uh, yeah, any specific projects or anything you've been up to uh, which people should know about?
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Paul Klein Yo with two O's. Um, that's where I post most of my work, sort of interviews with interesting people. I recently spoke to Leah Thompson from Back to the Future and cult icon Udo Kier. So, those will be sort of floating around and reviews. And my terrible opinions on things, and if you want to see some really bad opinions and um, some bad puns, my letterbox is Paul Klein-Yo with one O, because I'm inconsistent.
0: Fair, <laughs> yeah. It's always fun when you get those like differences with people's uh, letterbox, etc. Thank you again, Paul, for joining us. Uh, yeah, go check out your letterbox, and um, yeah, we look forward to having everyone join us back when we're back on our train of films talking about Frenzy and uh yeah see what goes into the movie vault anything last you from yourself craig
1: you know at the beginning of the episode i said this is the multiverse where i could tolerate you the most <laughs> yeah I, I think that's changed now <laughs> this episode has tested that <laughs> this is the
0: multiverse in which i've won an end game <laughs> right well thank you guys for joining us and we'll, we'll catch you on the next one bye-bye see ya Bye. To keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, You can also find us at our website freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next
2: time's episode.